0: firstly similar to what i said earlier by investing in a mutual fund that's multi-asset generally you can forego some returns mm. um, because it's invested in different asset classes that are not all growth type of assets mm. um so there's that so you may forego some returns but this i think the second thing probably the biggest in my opinion uh con for a targeted fund is that
1: Hello and welcome to the Woke Finance Podcast, the podcast discussing all things finance and all things finance related. It's your boy, Peter,
0: and I'm with my co-host, my bro, Jax. How are you? Yo, Peter, uh, I'm all right. I'm good. Um, just weathering a small uh, cold at the moment. I mean, we are shooting this uh, in the middle of of, of, eight, uh, of May and there is still no uh, sign of sunshine, um, hmm. which is still quite frustrating me, but uh, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm all right, bro. I got my peppermint tea in my hand. I'm just minding my own
1: business, man. I can't
0: be better.
1: Listen, listen, listen. I can't be better, man. But no, nah, man, good to hear from you, man. And hopefully, you'll heal and rest up soon, man. It is that kind of change of season um so yeah these things tend to happen but now, good to hear from you, my bro um and a massive shout out to our listeners wherever you are in the world we always appreciate you um yeah just very grateful for your support and ongoing support but today we're not going to keep you too long um we're gonna get we're gonna talk a bit more today about funds in general um and Jax we've done a couple of episodes on different types of funds and you know um what we mean by um investment uh, funds as well um, and yeah in general what we mean by them but just for maybe a bit of a recap for maybe some of our listeners who haven't heard those episodes or maybe want a bit of a reminder first of all what do we actually mean when we're talking about funds
0: yeah so when we're, when we're talking about funds what we're talking about is a pool of investments so rather than us individuals um, investing in different assets or so buying let's say stocks or shares in different businesses individually or or bonds or or different um, asset classes, um, rather than buying them individually, we can actually buy into this pool of investment, uh, deposit into this pool of investment. And then we have someone called a fund manager who manages all our investments in in, in one way, called a fund manager. Um, And that gives us immediate diversification and also gives us um, access to a professional. So it is one of the most popular ways of investing in mutual funds, especially, have been around for a very, very, very long time.
1: Love it. And I guess in general, when you're thinking of the everyday investor, why might someone think of actually having mutual funds in their portfolio?
0: Yeah, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's the access that you have. So first, you have access to uh, a professional uh, who's going to manage the fund, often called a fund manager. And you get immediate diversification at a lower cost. And that's the key word um not to throw too many technical words around but you get something called economies of scale as well what that means is of course if you want to go and buy individual shares you have to deal with the dealing fees you have to deal with all these other types of fees as well um and of course um shares are also priced um often i know nowadays you've got fractional shares and stuff like that but generally to buy a share in a business you have to pay the full price Mm. but if you buy it in a mutual fund. Or if you buy the mutual fund, it, you know, you could put money into it. I can put money into it. Everybody we know can put some money into it. And then what happens is because that money is pulled and our resources are all pulled together, we can actually buy more of the same thing at a much cheaper price. Love it, love it.
1: And I think on our episode, Josh, we would have spoken about um, different types of funds, a mutual fund being one of them, and we compared them against um, things like ETFs, as well but in general um, and maybe moving away from just mutual funds but in general I guess for the everyday investor who might be listening to this thinking about investing or who has already started investing and they only have individual stocks or so um, I guess my, my question I'm thinking around that is because you know me I'm a big fan of funds in general um, and yeah why might someone want to make sure that they have this in their entire portfolio
0: Yeah, so a big part of that is um, how we manage risk. So um, in fact, the big thing in investing or what we're investing really is, is taking a level of risk for a return. Um, but one of the best things we can do when it comes to, uh, investing wisely is for us to, uh, you know, increase our, our return, but to have what we call risk adjusted return. So we want to be able to get the best returns, um, for, for the lowest level of risk as possible. Right. And the best way to do that often is through diversification. Mm. So if anyone has ever heard of any kind of technical terms when it comes to portfolio management, so you might come across things like modern portfolio theory, etc. All of it is to do with um, risk, risk adjusted returns. Um, and essentially, what we're talking about here is being able to yeah, you know, get a nice return, but not taking a lot of risk, right? There's no point, you know, um, comparing two different assets, and, and one has done amazingly well, but you took an, a, a huge amount of risk, and it could have easily gone the other way. Um, so yeah, the, the key thing uh, with, you know, investing in a pooled investment is being able to have a desired level of return, for a much lower risk
1: love it love it love it thank you very much for that bro and today we're gonna to be obviously focusing on on mutual funds in in well mutual funds in in general um and i guess for our listeners please do check out episodes when we touched on um mutual funds as well but today we're going to be focusing on two in particular um that people might want to consider learning about and potentially um Add into one's portfolio. Um, Jax, do you want to maybe touch on what one of them is?
0: Yeah. So the first one I want to talk about is what we call a multi-asset mutual fund. Um, and, and the clue is in its name. Now, um, in most of our episodes, when we talk about investing, we often talk about the different asset classes that exist, uh, from stocks and shares, to bonds, to, to real estate, to commodities, etc. All right, and, and all these different asset classes have different characteristics, they behave differently, they, they do well in different macroeconomic circumstances, etc. cetera. Um, and of course, depending on what type of investor you are, you may want to have more access to one over the other. Um, now, of course, just like I was saying earlier, we can go and individually buy different assets. So we can buy, let's say, some stocks in uh, or some shares in some big large cap companies. We can buy some emerging market type of stocks. We may want to go and buy bonds. We may want to go and buy some real estate. But the truth of the matter is, not all of us—not not even me—most of us don't have most of us <laughs> most of us <laughs> don't have the the, the knowledge uh, um, to be able to analyze and and to be able to pick um the best types of assets. And even in the professional world, what you find as well is um, professionals and, and analysts have um, specialties in specific asset classes. So you may get some that are equity analysts that focus purely just on, on, on stocks and businesses. You may have uh, some some credit analysts um, or bond fund managers who specifically focus on, on, on fixed income securities. So even at the high level, at the professional level, people have the different spe- specialties and what they're good at, mm. um, let alone retail investors, right? Um, so the great thing about multi-asset mutual funds is that you are able to buy you know, into a fund where the fund manager will manage a wide range of different types of assets um, according to your risk profile, okay? So um, you can have a mutual fund that may have, um, and I'm talking about multi-asset mutual funds, they may have, let's say, 60% of the portfolio in equities, uh, 20% in bonds, you know, 15% in um, alternatives, and uh, let's say five percent or something or, or in property so you're getting a nice mixture of uh, different asset classes within one investment and that's where the appeal is
1: that's so cool and 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 when you say you know i mean you mentioned uh, stocks and shares so the fund manager would obviously you um put in your money you make the investment the fund manager would allocate that to different assets and when you talk about let's say property for example I think it's pretty clear in terms of um, equities or so, but when when you're talking about properties, what does that actually look like in reality in terms of them actually putting your money to property?
0: Yeah, great question. So I'll um, actually, to answer one of the questions you asked earlier, and I didn't mention this point, one of the great things about investing in, in you know, mutual funds generally is you also get something called liquidity, mm. right? And that also comes with the ability to pull your investments of other people. Um, so to answer your question now about, you know, access to property for example there are different ways to invest in property um, of course we know the general way to buy let's say like a buy to net for example but you can invest in property funds as well okay so again in itself you can pool your money with different investors and the fund manager can actually go and buy uh, properties raw properties as well and that will be part of the fund um, a, a very popular one here in the UK. Um, I'm I'm sure many people haven't heard of it. Is what we call PAFES, which stands for P. P A I F, Property Authorised Investment Fund, which will give you access to that type of asset class. Um, but another way and a very popular way, which I think you know some of our listeners have probably heard of, is investing in what we call REITs, which mm. are real estate investment trusts. As well, which is um, a, a way to invest in a company that operates and holds uh, investment properties. So, so there are different ways for the multi-asset mutual fund manager who wants to have, you know, a proportion of their portfolio in property to have exposure to property. And these are some of the examples. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mentioned a property fund. Um, you know, mutual funds can actually invest in other funds as well. So uh, just just to throw it out there, you can have a multi-asset mutual fund that invests in funds. This is called a fund of funds.
1: Wow, lovely. And you can understand, you know, in terms of what's happening, how complex it is, and hence the need for a fund manager to do the work for you, etc. I mean, you understand what what's happening with the money, but in terms of, after you've invested the money and where it goes to and all of the research and analysis um, that needs to take place, you understand why a fund manager needs to be involved in this.
0: Yeah, yeah and, and and Peter, the, the, the main thing with uh, multi-asset, mutual funds especially, is they come in different kind of ways, but often they will come with a risk profile. Mm. I would say the most difficult thing for a retail investor to uh, achieve or to do is to be able to actually you know, select a basket of investments that actually match their risk profile. Mm. And, you know, I always say if you want to invest, you have to think about your objective, your time frame, and your risk tolerance or risk appetite. Um, that risk appetite, that risk profile is extremely difficult for the for the retail investor to actually um, achieve. So, you know, I want to invest in something that's not going to bounce around too much, right? Mm. So that we could have volatility. Um, how do I know that this uh, stock that I'm buying that I've heard of that I, maybe I shop at this company, for example, how do I know that this stock actually matches my risk profile, right? Mm-hmm. It's more of a technical job. Um, how do I pick? And, and then what's even harder is how do I pick a, a, a combination of different assets mm. that actually match that risk profile and time frame and objective? It's difficult to do. But this is where multi-asset mutual funds come into play. And often what you find is they come in three ways. They will come with something called uh, a balanced approach, uh, an adventurous approach, or a cautious approach, right? And the clue is in its name. So if Mm -hmm. you are someone who um, doesn't want to experience a lot of volatility in Mm -hmm. your investments, then you will look for a multi-asset mutual fund that says cautious in Mm -hmm. its name. If you are someone who has a more balanced approach, you can go for balanced. So if you're someone who has a very long time frame and you're happy to experience volatility and you're, you're happy to take a, a high level of risk for a high level of return, then you go for the adventurous one, mm. right? So that's the great thing. You know by the name of the mutual fund, that multi asset mutual fund, and of course you should also read the fact sheet and the key investor information document to make sure mm. you understand it. But you can tell even by the name whether it actually meets your objectives and your risk tolerance.
1: No, I love it. I mean, we're really going to the pros and cons, but one thing I definitely love about this in particular and when it comes to multi-asset mutual funds is that, you know, when you always hear of things in the economy, are oh, when one asset class, the price is going down or struggling, let's say equities, then they'll say, um, but another asset class usually does well when this one goes down. And yes. is, you know, and we obviously know that tends to be true, but this allows you to have exposure without trying to go into those different assets, but literally just putting into this multi-asset mutual fund, which is pretty cool.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the, the general consensus over many years is that if you have a portfolio of the main two asset classes, which are equities and bonds, often when equities are going up, bonds are going down and when bonds go down, or when to go up, equities go down. Mm. So having a mixture of these two assets allow you to have a much more smoother return over time.
1: Love it, love it. Well, I go into pros and cons, same question around when I asked about what does it look like when the money is allocated to property? What about the alternatives?
0: Yes, yeah, so alternatives is a very interesting sector um, and it's a sector that captures different sectors <laughs> or different uh, areas. Uh, one being things like commodities, um, other things being like alternative investment trusts, So the thing about commodities, uh, the most popular one being gold, Mm. is gold is an amazing diversifier. Um, And actually alternatives as an asset class, that's one of the main um, benefits it brings to the multi-asset portfolio. It is a diversifier because the the returns can be uncorrelated. Mm. So I'll give an example. Within the alternatives uh, section, um, you can invest in something called uh, hedge funds or, or, or absolute return funds. And these funds, essentially, what they are is they can do something called going short, right? Which means they can actually uh, benefit when the stock market is going down by taking the opposite view. And that's where hedge funds can make money both in a in a, in a bull market or in a bear market, which means when things are going up, they can make money. When things are going down, they can make money. Mm-hmm. So um, multi-asset fund managers know this. And for that reason, they are happy to include some of this as part of the whole portfolio and mm. it will sit under the alternative section. And similarly, we know that gold um, is, is generally uncorrelated to the returns of, of, of properties and um, and stocks and, and bonds. So in itself, it brings a diversifier, but you're not, the key thing here is, and the great thing here when it comes to modern portfolio theory is that you are not reducing your expected return, but you're reducing your risk. Mm. Hmm
1: um that's really yeah that's really interesting um and it's quite cool to know yeah that you can be exposed to alternatives like gold as well just by well not just but by putting your money into this uh fund as well which is really cool um so just so i guess it'll be good to and i know we've touched on some pros in particular but it'll be good to touch on some of the pros and cons for a multi-asset mutual fund
0: yeah um, I think the main problem, as you said, we've touched on it, is, is the key one will be diversification. Mm. Um, now, uh, a very popular type of multi-asset, you know, approach is is from a very popular uh, farm manager and, and finance professional and, and guru, if you want to call him that, which is Ray Dalio. Mm. So Ray Dalio has uh, or talks about something called an all-weather portfolio, uh, which means whether it's raining, <laughs> whether it's sunny, whether the leaves <laughs> are blowing um this all over portfolio is expected to do uh, all right in all these different conditions mm. um, and that's the main pro of a multi asset mutual fund is generally a, a you know a, a portfolio that's very well diversified into a wide range of different asset classes um and so you know often when when things in a macroeconomic are, are not great it may not do as bad as, let's say, an all equities portfolio, like a 100% index fund. Mm. Looking mm. at some of the cons, I mean, you can look, look at that as a con as well, that over the long term, we actually expect multi-asset mutual funds to do less well um, than a 100% portfolio of equities, for example. Yeah. Because what we expect, again, is by expected returns and risk, we know that equities uh, generally are more risky. and When we talk about risk, we're talking about volatility, how often it bounces around and, and how you know sometimes it's up and sometimes it's down, et cetera. But over the long period of time, if you've got decades, you know, if you've got 20, 30 years of investment uh, timeframe, we can often say with a high level of uh, confidence that a 100% equity portfolio is going to do better than a multi-asset portfolio. And I think that's mm. probably the main con.
1: Now, the person thinking, oh, man, this is definitely a con. I might as well just put all my money into just equities only. But hopefully, you know, some of the pros and some of the th- the benefits that we've spoken about might maybe create some more room for debate and healthy thinking.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and remember, the key thing that I said earlier is multi-asset uh, mutual funds. Um, as they come with the adventurous cautious, of balance approach generally, Mm. it allows you to pick what actually suits you. Mm. Um, And the great thing is there's something in these portfolios called rebalancing. Mm. So if uh, we have a period where equities do really, really, really well, uh, then the fund manager will rebalance the portfolio, which means they'll sell the equities and and buy something else so that they keep Mm. within the limits. So that, you know, um you the investor, you still have exposure and your mandate is still honoured mm. in terms of your risk profile.
1: Love it, love it, love it. Shout out to the fund managers doing what they do, man. It's not an easy job at all.
0: <laughs> well, at I, I mean, all. I've, I've, I've worked for a few years as a fund manager assistant and uh, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah shout out to them no but thanks for that jacks man um anything else on multi-asset mutual funds before we move on to the next one
0: yeah so multi-asset mutual funds they come in different uh forms um i think the key thing is to understand them the key thing is to um consider them i think a lot of the time if you are someone who uh goes to if you do your kind of your financial planning through a professional financial planner or financial advisor I would say nine times out of them, out of ten, they will, um, you know, encourage you to go for a multi-asset mutual fund. Mm. Um, that's that's probably the most common uh, because again, it's easier for that that portfolio to match your risk profile. Mm. And it is, and and it's the key word that I want to throw out there is it's called strategic asset allocation because asset allocation has been proven to be for a very long time to be the number one driver of returns. Mm. Um, So how is your portfolio structured when it comes to stocks, shares, bonds, and and these different asset classes? Um, The founder of, of, of Vanguard, who has pushed the whole idea of index funds. What he says for most people is to set your strategic asset allocation up and then, you know forget about it mm, <laughs> so mm, mm. you set it up uh you make sure you have your portfolio in in, in stocks bonds or, or these different asset classes that meet your risk profile and then all you've got to do is potentially put money in every single month mm. and that's all you've got to do you got you don't have to think about anything else you don't have to think yeah. about rebalancing it's, it's all done for you and that's yeah. that's something that's quite attractive for some people
1: Agreed, agreed. The boring investor, uh, which I love. Um, No, brilliant. Um, Thanks for that, Jack. So we're going to go on to the second type of mutual fund that we said we're going to touch on. But before I do that, just to give a shout out to where we're getting new listeners from or an area we've not given a shout out to where we have listeners. And this area is called Ulaanbaatar, which is the capital of Mongolia. <laughs>
0: i don't feel really like laughing because it, you know i don't know I sound like i'm offending someone but i'm laughing at the way you pronounce the name it's just i think from now on i probably should do the the shout no nah, no nah, it's good <laughs> but ula
1: Bato, i'm guarantee you it's correct bro so i
0: call it or whatever ula Good goodness me well, <laughs> even though the three times
1: i've said it i've said it in different ways
0: <laughs> welcome to the world finance podcast um you're here with myself Jax, and the co-host peter and on this podcast we talk about all things finance and all things finance related if you are enjoying what we are um talking about help us by sharing this with someone who you think will gain tons of value and i hope you yourself are gaining tons of value now World finance is more than just a podcast we do serve in a community here in the uk so if you want to know more about what we do, you can head over to www.wokefinance.co.uk, sign up to our mailing list and keep up to date with what we are doing. And if you want to engage with us on socials, we are predominantly on Instagram um, and that's Woke Finance Team. Head over there, send a friend request and slide in our DMs. We will definitely answer back. But I hope you are enjoying the episode and gaining tons of value.
1: Come on, come on, come on. I think that's the first time we've ever had listeners from Mongolia as well, um, from memory. So, yeah, massive shout out to um, our new set of listeners there. Really appreciate you. We recognize you and we see you, man. Um, And then a shout out to everyone else um, across the world as well that tunes in um, when they can. And um, just we're going to go to the second type of mutual funds um and that mutual fund which we have touched on in a in a previous episode but we are going to just revisit it um which is uh target date mutual funds.
0: Yes, so target dated mutual funds um and sometimes they're called uh target retirement funds or mm. um they've even been called lifestyle funds as well. These are a very, very popular way of investing. In fact, these are types of multi-asset mutual funds. Mm. And the way they work is, again, the the, the mutual fund um, holds a, a range of different assets, different asset classes, and it will predominantly be equities and bonds. And essentially what's, what's really, really um, attractive about these funds relative to other funds is the fact that, you know, going back to the three pillars of, The investment journey, the starting point, objective, time frame, and risk appetite. Earlier, I said that the mutual funds, the multi asset mutual funds, allow you to pick, uh, you know, funds, or allows the fund manager to pick assets that match your risk profile. Now, target dated funds, or lifestyle funds, or, or you know, target retirement funds, go one step further to consider your time frame as well. Right. So what happens is the target. Dated fund manager knows um, the specific date for which the investor wants to take their money out. Right. So when we are looking at a target dated fund, it will have a date, uh, a target date in its, in its, um, in its fact sheet. And so what it does is earlier on, it will invest in a different asset allocation. It will have a different strategic asset allocation, but it will change this strategic asset allocation throughout time um to match the date of the of the investors so what that means Mm. is earlier on they will have a majority of the portfolio in let's say equities because equities uh stocks and shares they are known to be more of the riskier assets Mm. Uh, they're also known to be the one that drives growth the most as well so generally when you have a nice long time frame and just setting up a strategic asset allocation it will predominantly be more in equities or more Mm. in stocks and shares So let's say 70% of the portfolio, 80% potentially could be in this type of of asset class. And then the rest could be split between bonds and and alternatives, et cetera, right? But the thing is, as you get closer and closer and closer to the date, the end date, the fund manager will shift this asset allocation around to be more in, let's say, bonds than equities because bonds are less risky. Hmm. And that's because he or she knows that now you don't want to take any more risk hmm. because you are close to the moment where you need your money. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't make sense to be in a more risky assets closer to that time because what happens if we go through a financial crisis, for example, and you lose half the portfolio.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: that's why target data uh, investments or target data mutual funds are very attractive for some people because they are seen as almost one-stop shop investments mm-hmm. you don't need to rebalance you don't need to consider anything. All you've got to do is put your money into this one fund and that's it. You don't have to consider anything else. Whereas earlier on, when I talked about the multi-asset mutual fund by itself, not being a dated one, is it may just select a specific amount of strategic asset allocation, let's say 60% equities, 40% bonds, whatever, and it just sticks that way. Mm. It will stay that way. And of course, as time goes on, that you know, as the investments change and investments do well, etc that fund manager will always rebalance so much so that that 60-40% split is always the case. Mm. Whereas uh with the uh multi-asset target dated fund, it will change over time, it will intentionally change to be again more in a less risky asset as time goes on, mm. more in a risky asset in the beginning
1: love that um so and and i guess you know you mentioned the different types of names sometimes also called a targeted retirement fund generally if someone's using it with the basis of obviously retiring with that money nearer the time of retirement as you said it will start to shift the percentage um or the asset allocation to more to more the less risky assets So your bonds and and cash as well i'm assuming yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. Cash yeah. type instruments like money market instruments. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then so by the time you're you approaching retirement, let's say people that are retiring right now in this current economic crisis, um, imagine if the majority of, of it was in equities.
0: Well, that that that's the whole point, right? Yeah. So, so yes, you know, um, I, I, yeah, <laughs> you, you would have reduced that level of risk, mm. um, towards that, that that time where you needed the money. Mm. now um i know you're going to ask me so i'll jump on it anyway uh which is what? what is the con what is mm. the con of, it, of a targeted fund because it sounds like a, a dream come true it's a one-stop shop mm. why would you know, why would someone not want to go for this well firstly similar to what i said earlier by mm. investing in a mutual fund that's multi-asset generally you can forego some returns mm. um, because it's invested in different asset classes that are not all growth type of assets Mm. um so there's that so you may forego some returns but there's, i think the second thing probably the biggest in my opinion uh con for a targeted fund is that um it may actually come to the point where yes you are you have chosen a date you have chosen a date for your target retirement but generally speaking peter our generation we do not um take cash during retirement mm. um and actually historically the way pension funds, for example, work. So a pension funds that, that, you know, um, may have invested in these target dated funds is often when you come to that retirement fund, you then look at your nest egg, you look at your pot, so that cash pot, and then you use that cash pot to buy something called an annuity, right? So your target dated fund uh, has grown over years and now it's 100% in cash and now you sell out and you've got 100,000 pounds in in cash. Right mm. in the pension pot. Often, historically, you will use that £100,000 to buy an annuity, which will guarantee you an income for life. Mm. Right, Historically, Peter, you can use this £100,000 pot to buy an annuity that will pay you 15% per annum, five. So that'll be £15,000 a year for the rest of your life. Mm. That's quite attractive. That was years ago. Mm. Today, that £100,000 pot Uh, will only get you somewhere between five and six thousand pounds per year. Mm. Okay, so generally that kind of um, attraction is no longer there, uh, because the annuity rates are much lower now. It's bounced back in recent times, but over the past like decade, it's actually been low. Mm. Um, and for that reason, it's important to remember that actually most people retiring keep the money invested, Mm. and they go through a different route called uh, often called drawdown. where they they keep their money in their pension pots invested and they draw down a percentage per year to live off. Mm. For that reason, you do not want to be in cash. Mm. Uh, You would have wanted to be in an investment that even 10 years towards your retirement, because you still got more of a retirement Hmm. timeframe. You're living longer as well. You're you're living longer. So actually your target date is not really your date because you need to invest for longer. And and when you compare that with the potential of foregoing higher returns by being, for example, in a 100% equities fund, then obviously it looks quite unattractive. Mm. So um, there are some financial planners out there who actually don't like the idea of a targeted fund because ideally, or most likely, when you get to your target retirement, you're going to invest again anyway. You're mm. not going to have it all in cash. And you imagine someone who would have kept their money in cash for the past ten years to retirement from two thousand let's say eleven to two thousand and twenty one. Wow, that person would have lost that on a lot of games. A lot, yeah. So th- that's the main con. Um, and I guess I guess our listeners are probably thinking, so why would I want a target date fund? Why, <laughs> why? <laughs> but I guess I guess the answer is pretty simple: is about a peace of mind. Uh, and it's also about um, having a smoother journey than a journey that may be a bit more of a roller coaster. It really comes down to your personal preferences. So I know some of my coaching clients who have decided to buy a targeted fund in their SIPs, which is their pension pots. Mm. But then in their ISAs, for example, they are invested in 100% equities. So that's just something that you can consider as well.
1: No, absolutely. And I think it's that portfolio piece, right? When you're looking at the different um assets you have within your portfolio as well. Um, because one of the things and more on the on the con side of things as well, number one, you if you've got a date to retire, I don't know if when you're 60 or whatever, you don't know what your life is gonna be right then. When you're 60, you might actually want to just stay invested, completely yes. invested, because you realize, wait. Uh, I'm going to live much longer, man. I'm healthy. I've got 30 more years or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I, and particularly if you started quite young, you by the time you're 60, all of that knowledge around when it comes to investing and what you're doing with your money, you probably are going to be much more skilled. Yeah, yeah. And you might want to do something a bit more than
0: that as well. Yeah. And and also you've got to remember as well that, um, especially here in the UK, I'm not 100% sure about America, but here in the UK... Uh, your pension port actually falls outside of your estate, mm. so you can pass this on to uh, a dependent or a beneficiary, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so, yeah, you would you would want you know that beneficiary probably if it's if it's your your your, your child, for example, uh, they're not going to touch that money at all, you know, <laughs> a very long time anyway. So, listen, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I guess I guess the important thing to remember in all of this is you always have a choice to, um, you know change things up or, or, or rebalance things etc etc and also if you are listening if you've listened to our
1: episodes when it comes uh when we were talking about um personal finance depending on the age as well hopefully you know by your 40s or 50s you would have gone to see a professional financial advisor as well who would have supported you with some of those decisions as well if you did want to change things up
0: yeah exactly exactly exactly
1: love it um any other pros and cons
0: um i think i've mentioned most of them i think you know the, the pros and cons comes down to all the things i've said during this podcast um you know the diversification the the, the management that's done for you uh the peace of mind and all these things makes targeted dated the funds and mutual funds multi-asset mutual funds quite attractive anyway and i think it, it's great to have you know this as part of your portfolio i think there are some people that, you know, when we talk about even a core satellite approach, Peter, um, mm-hmm. there are some people that use the multi-asset mutual fund or even a targeted fund as the core of their portfolio and, and the majority of the money goes into this uh, portfolio that gives them a peace of mind. And then they can use, uh, you know, some of the extra money to invest the more flamboyant stuff or to take risk in other different assets and different funds, etc. So I think they're great and I think they're cool. And I think uh, for, for a lot of, Retail investors, they are great because it allows you to pick a fund that actually matches your risk profile, which most people cannot do. Um, Mm. they can't do it themselves, you know. We just don't know how assets that we're picking actually matches us. And and sometimes, Peter, we think we um we we, we can't take risk until we go through a period where there's extreme volatility. right so you know if, yeah, yes, I, I, I hold my hands up i hold my hands up you know
1: like experiences teaching us, Experience,
0: teach us. You know <laughs> when, when when uh you know the stock market and the bull market for the past decade you ask me what's my risk profile said, well, no, like, yeah like, what <laughs> you know what i mean like i'm adventurous uh, i young I'm yeah time frame and i justify <laughs> it until you go for a period of extreme volatility like we've had over the past two years and you start to question can you actually stomach yeah. volatility okay so it's important to not not always allow hindsight to make our decisions for us but mm. to use it as an experience mm. and um you know it's important to be truthful as to what your risk profile is can you be adventurous can you be are you more balanced or do you be more do you want to be more on a cautious approach and whichever one you choose you can actually pick this multi-asset mutual fund to actually um manifest this thing or, or to actually demonstrate this thing that you're trying to achieve even though it may not give you the best returns in the short term um it's important to remember that when the stock market is doing extremely well a 100 equities fund is going to outperform your multi-asset mutual fund um but when the stock market is tanking again it's going to tank much more on your index fund the one hundred percent index fund than it is going to be on your multi asset mutual fund. The multi asset mutual fund is much more of a smoother journey than um hundred percent equities, etc.
1: Absolutely, and talking from personal experience, I could definitely see that in my portfolio now in terms of the multi asset <laughs> mutual fund doing nice uh, right now. Um, but no, that's really good for four. And one thing I do like about all of the this uh, jets is that you know it's something where you can literally just automate money going in and not really have to worry or look, And well, you shouldn't be worrying about your investments mm-hmm. anyway, but you know what I mean? Not really having to spend much time and just being, as I yeah. say, the boring investor putting in money, but you don't, you can check it once a year, or whatever, however you want to check it. But that's one of the things that I do love about it, that peace of
0: mind. <laughs> exactly exactly and and even if and if you go for the uh you know the targeted fund you don't even have to consider rebalancing mm-hmm. I, I, I encourage people that you know if you are I mean everybody should be managing a, a, a um their personal finances and they should be doing uh portfolio reviews and 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 financial reviews financial reviews at least once a year um mm-hmm. or, or for me anyway it should be at least twice a year. But, you know, within that, you should be doing your, your portfolio review. And often that's the time you want to consider doing any rebalancing of portfolios. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But if you've got targeted funds, to be honest, you don't even have to consider that.
1: Love it. Love it. Love it. And we definitely need to do um, a few things that just came to mind. We definitely need to do an episode around um, rebalancing and what that could look like as well. Um, that would be really good. Um, and around uh pensions as well we mentioned things like um you can pass that on to your children there's a couple of ways um that people need to cons things that people need to consider when doing that particularly yeah. around sort of inheritance tax and the different ways you can do it whether it's you or through a trust for example yeah. Yeah. but yeah let's definitely touch on that some one of these days
0: yeah definitely i'm, I'm up for it let's do it
1: Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Now, man, Jack, so it's a pleasure as yeah, as always, man. Um, hopefully for our listeners, man, some good food for thought when it comes to multi-asset mutual funds um, and some considerations for our listeners to take forward as well. And take forward in your conversations, man. This is what the Woke Finance podcast is about. It's about keeping the conversation going. If you're hearing this, think about who you can share it with online, social media, or even just the conversation with. Friends, family, spouse, all of that stuff, man. Um, Yeah, so keep supporting us. Keep doing what you're doing. And remember all, stay woke. woke.